Welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. <laughs> I tried to Obi Wan Kenobi it. I'm not. I am no Obi Wan Kenobi, but um, it, it was pretty decent. Yeah. Decent. Thank, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> I wish I was though. I I I love me some Obi Wan. But welcome back to Pretty Pixels podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joey, and I'm your second host, Tab. And we are going to be talking about uh, impactful indies today, and we're that's going to be yes. sort of our main entree. We'll get to that in a little bit, but of course, let's start with any interesting news items. I feel like there wasn't the anything big this week. I have been a little out of touch with the uh, the socials this week, yeah. so if there has been anything big, I have not heard it. Um, I had a brief moment of excitement where I thought maybe we were going to get a release date for Far Cry 6, but it ended up just being an article that was like, when is Ubisoft going to release it? Whether they release it now or later, it's not a great time. And I was like, that's entirely (laughs) unhelpful. (laughs) Um, But the only thing newsworthy, uh, there was a announcement, I think it was just today, from Obsidian Entertainment, and they teased the next DLC for The Outer Worlds. Um, I still have not played Peril on Gorgon, but I really enjoyed The Outer Worlds. Maybe we'll we'll talk about that in, like, the Fallout universe at some time. Um, But I really enjoyed that game, and so I was kind of excited to see that they have a second DLC planned. And I think there might be three or more that they're going to release. But all they did was post a very brief... uh, teaser and it just really shows like your ship landing um like that's new, about it on a new planet or something does the planet look yeah cool? yeah uh, it looks okay i mean it, it, mm. there's really not that much to the to the teaser and they're just like uh the board is pleased to announce that your new job duties are almost ready spacer stand by for more information arriving tomorrow regarding your upcoming assignments so so there's gonna be tomorrow like a we'll new, have more news a new role or something like that some new abilities yeah, maybe that would hmm. be that'd be cool um, but other than that, I know we uh, we were briefly chatting about the Twitch transparency report, mm-hmm. uh, which is a new thing that they're doing. I haven't had much opportunity to look it over yet, but I am very curious as it uh, will probably make its way into my dissertation, at least as a brief mention. Um, but what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, like you said, I I glanced through it and it's. It's pretty dense, actually, and they, they say it's their first, so I'm assuming, I'm hoping it's not annual. I'm hoping that it's more frequent than that, but I was made aware of it by the gamesindustry.biz podcast, and mm-hmm. they went into a lot of detail about what it says, and I think more importantly, what it doesn't say. One of the things yeah. they were talking about was the fact that they there are certain numbers that they don't provide that the hosts of GI.biz, pod, the podcast, had to basically do some math to kind of find. And even in doing the math, they didn't have the specific numbers, so they had to kind of come up with a really close estimate. And I feel like that says kind of a lot. Like, it's called a transparency report, and then you have an outlet that reaches out and says, oh, can you can you provide a little bit yeah, more transparency? You... And they're like, mm, <laughs> well, you get what you get. And I feel like... Yeah. And I feel like this happens every time Twitch comes out with some new statement or report where it seems like they're trying to do the right thing but it's not like there's something else going on that's like they're not fully 
And I feel like we should talk about Twitch specifically and maybe live streaming right. in, in general at a, at a later date. Yeah. But we also have reports that indi- indicate that there's like some cultural issues mm-hmm. at at Twitch. Um, I have the the report open on my on my second screen here, and one of the lines that pops out to me is um, it's under the our approach to safety section, and they say the vast majority of the content that appears on Twitch is gone the moment it's created and seen. Huh. Because it's live streaming, that's kind of sort of true, but we know that there are various platform affordances that allow you to hold on to that content. I mean, that's what the VODs are for. That's what the clip function is for. And we've seen a number of harassment campaigns that have been fueled by content that's created on Twitch. So it's not it's not entirely a, an honest depiction of what happens there. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to kind of dig through this and... Um, kind of look through the uh the the images and the kind of numbers that they provide yeah definitely so we'll probably talk about that more later yeah um there was a trailer and i don't remember it might have been before the last podcast actually for aliens fire team which is a new yes. aliens co-op shooter that's coming out this summer and it's not a sequel to alien isolation which is a game that i really liked um but I like the Aliens franchise, and mm-hmm. we've been playing a lot of co-op games lately, so I'm sure yeah. we can rope a third friend into into the mix. <laughs> um, I'm looking at this summer as co-op summer. That yeah. the, That's my plan for the summer. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of game where I'm like, I don't know if I'll like it. I definitely have my reservations, but I'm willing mm-hmm. to give it a shot. Like, it seems like at least for a little while, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Who, who's the developer? The developer is, I think, someone I'm unfamiliar with, Cold Iron Studios. Oh, I don't. Yeah. That does. It's not ringing a bell. What else have they? Same. I don't know. Um, apparently, they okay. do not have a Wikipedia page, so that you know can't can't find out anything. All we'll right. never know. We'll who, never know who Cold Iron Studios is. It's a mystery. Um, but it, it looked for it looked to me like a lot like Left for Dead, and I know we're going to be playing Back for Blood together. Um, but it, it had that yes. same sort of vibe to it, like a lot of like fast paced feral hordes kind of coming at you and setting up turrets and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's pretty exciting. The only other thing is today is March tenth, so we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, which is Mario Day. So happy Mario yeah. Day! We should have just, the whole episode should be about Mario stuff. Um, Right? Yeah, I should have made a cake. (laughs) That's impactful indies. Super Mario Brothers. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) A little known company called Nintendo. But um, yeah, I think that about covers it for the news. Anything anything else that you want to talk about? No, no. Like I said, I've I've kind of been out of it a little bit this week. So if there is any big news, I am I am unaware. Okay. Well, my next question would be, what have you been playing? But again, I know the answer to that because we've been playing together. <laughs> Last week, you talked about playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends. Yes. And I said yes. on that podcast, you know, I think I might give it a shot. And literally the next day, you were like, hey, do you want to play? And I was like... I've been roping you in. Yes, I do. So... <laughs> And you've been liking it, right? Yeah. I mean, part of it is just the game. I, I love the base game. Yes. So that gameplay, I will say it's a little, the combat is slightly less satisfying because it's not quite as, sorry, you're going to, I don't want to. <laughs> I was I was going to say, I, I, I think I know where you're going with it. So, so with Legends, it's. 
it's meant to be like run in white people out. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really give you as much breathing room, I don't think, to be as like methodical and to plan it out as much. Right. And especially if you're playing with randoms because, um, it you know, it throws you into a, a match with like three other people if you don't have like a party set up. Um, if they're running in and like rushing through all the kills, if you're like, I'm going to take my, ta-, you're never going to get any kills. Yeah. And that's the thing is the way that I play in the, in the base game in the narrative part, I'm very defensive. I wait for the enemies to come to me. I just, mm-hmm. I love getting those perfect parries and the perfect dodges and I can go through, I can run through like 30 guys and not take a single hit. But in this, it's so much more frenetic because like you said, I, as a part of a team, I want to help. I want to contribute. And when everyone else is running out and getting kills, it's not even yeah. that I want to do well and have and be high on the scoreboard or anything like that. I just want to make sure that I'm pulling my weight. And so I have to be a lot more offensive, which mm-hmm. is is more challenging, I will say. And so thusly, yes. more fun in a way, but also more stressful. Like not <laughs> not in a bad way, but I like I said, it is it's just different. So I'm starting to get used to the rhythm. And I think we played yesterday, and I think that was one of my best sessions. I'm learn, I'm relearning some things, like using the uh, what are they called? The um, the tools that you use, like the the smoke ghost bombs tools? and stuff. Yeah, the ghost tools. Yeah, yeah, the, or the ghost weapons or whatever yeah, they're called. Yeah, I'm, I'm relearning how to use those and getting into a rhythm with those, like learning. Yeah, and, and once them. you unlock um, certain uh, techniques, right, mm-hmm. then you can have like uh, your your sword bursts into flames for a little bit. Just last night, I am, I'm not sure if this was just the level that I hit or the weapon that I picked up, but it actually gives me three different options for like the sword. And so that's kind of cool. That is so, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the cosmetics, right? Like I just mm. love looking cool some of the outfits are really sexy the little effects on the swords and things like that um i just like collecting that stuff i haven't gotten any of those yet and i definitely i definitely want to get those i'm pretty happy with my outfit but the thing about that just like with the base game is i'll be happy with my outfit and then i'll unlock a really cool helmet and i'll be like "Ooh, that looks pretty cool and i'll put it on and i'm like ah, but now it doesn't match my 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 armor so now i have to try to get armor that matches so (laughs) everything's got a match absolutely (laughs) um other than that i've been playing persona 5 striker still i won't talk too much about that i'm still loving it i'm on the fourth prison now i just made it to a new city um yeah and you know like i said i'm still loving being in that world with those characters and that for me that's that's been basically it have you been playing anything else um, I played a little bit of Alheim, but it's mostly been Ghost of Tsushima Legends and just a little bit of Minecraft. Um, again, it's just, you know, been a, a slightly busier week, yeah. so I haven't played as much. Um, I was actually thinking because you and I have been talking a bit about, uh, you know, Persona 5 Strikers, and it was making me think of other like Japanese games and how I want to return to Oh god, I'm blanking on the name. It's uh it's not I think it's set sort of in the same universe as Yakuza, but it's it's the mystery. What's it called? Um Oh, I haven't played that one. Um ah, You're like a detective. Why am I right. blanking? <laughs> oh, I totally wanted to play this game that I can't remember the name shoot. of. Yeah. Um Dang it. I can see the cover in my mind. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking synergy. <laughs> that is definitely not it. <laughs> synergy. What? 
Oh God, this is gonna this is gonna bother me, friends. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's see. But that game, <laughs> game that is not a. He's <laughs> literally game. googling it right now. Um, I was thinking about going back to that, or maybe even starting. Um, Judgment is ju- is it Judgment? That sounds right. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's Judgment. Um, but I was thinking of that or starting up uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. And you said you did you start but, that one at all or you haven't touched it? Like a Dragon? Yeah. No, I have not. I have oh, not. Oh, wow. But it's really dumb. I shouldn't be thinking of starting these big games. And that's probably why Judgment came to mind because I've I've already started that. Yeah. I, I don't remember quite how many hours I got in, maybe like 10 hours or so. Um, but I should probably wait until the semester is over. We're getting close, though. It's it's creeping are, up on us. We are very so. close. Like, it's almost the middle of March, yeah. which is kind of scary. And then the semester ends end of April, right? Isn't it just that final week? I do that thing where I, I like have a weird logic for time where it's like when I want something to be close, I'm like, it's almost the middle of <laughs> March, which is almost <laughs> April, which is the month before the end of the semester. So there you go. It's basically <laughs> the end of the semester. So, <laughs> but uh, we just have to get there. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, let's talk about some impactful indies. And we should clarify that we don't mean impactful (laughs) to the industry or to indies. Or to the world. Right. Yeah. This is just to us. These were indies that were impactful to us personally. Neither one of us are claiming to be indie experts. I don't think. I mean, there. I I would actually be interested if there is anyone who does identify as an indie expert because there are so many indies out there. I would love Um, to talk to that person because I have so many questions about the the history of of indies. Well, I think that's why what we do. This is going to sound very kind of self important, but like what we do is important (laughs) because I think, or like the Video Game History Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do is important and, and what people like them do because they'll f- there are people who will focus on a specific series or a specific right. game and like following that game back you know to its origin and then looking at you know what other games kind of inspired it or what games it inspired I think tells you a lot about the industry as a whole mm-hmm. and about Absolutely. far more than just that that game or that series but but that's yeah. not us. We just love indie games. We just, we just love video games. <laughs> we played some, played some that particularly hit us pretty hard. Yes. So we're going to talk about those. So do you want to? Do you want to start? Which one? Yeah, I have to say, when I was thinking about the conversation that we were going to have today, I wasn't sure like in what order to go. Because mm-hmm. um, at first I was like, I should just like go in order. But then I was like, eh, I might just tackle them according to like what I'm. I guess, most interested in talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you have an, uh, an order, but I know that on both of our lists, I think, is Stardew Valley. It, it, that's actually so the first one on my list. There, the first there one that you came go. to mind. All right, so. let's start with that. <laughs> so obviously Stardew Valley like blew up in popularity. Uh, there's now a board game, which I, I managed to purchase before it sold out. I'm, it looks very cool. I haven't sent you any pictures yet, but it's very pretty. It's just very Stardew. Um, we, but for we anyone, should actually define Stardew really quick. So Stardew Valley well, is yeah. I was I was gonna say oh, sorry, go for ahead. anyone yeah. who's not aware of oh, okay. Stardew Valley, I'm like I'm like yeah, let's, yeah. Let's bring them in, and you're like yeah, give me <laughs> give me a fucking yeah. second. So Stardew Valley released February I I think February 26th of um, 2016, and it was made by an individual who goes by Concerned Ape on his social media handles. 
And essentially Stardew Valley is, it's a farm simulator and it's very much in the vein of the story of seasons and like the Harvest Moon games uh, that were, well, some of those games were made by Natsum, uh, but it's just farming making friends, relationships, there's mining, some exploration, you can start a family, there's like, you 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 give gifts to buy people's <laughs> favor and their affection, uh, and there's a little bit of combat, and that's, that is essentially Stardew Valley. Um, it very much looks like sort of a, a classic kind of retro game, but it's very adorable, I think, in its in its presentation. It is. It's heavily inspired by Chrono Trigger, which was something that I didn't know going into it. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, I started recognizing these elements where I'm like, huh, that music kind of sounds like something from Chrono Trigger. Nah, I'm probably just hearing things. And then I see <laughs> a poster of Chrono in Abigail's room. Abigail's yeah. like the gamer in the game. And it's very obviously Chrono Trigger. And I actually remember tweeting it out and like drawing a little circle around it and being like, that is Chrono because... <laughs> I it just validated all those thoughts that I had where I'm like who whoever made this because again at the time I I wasn't thinking about the mm -hmm. the developer or anything I was just kind of playing it I was like whoever played this was a huge Chrono Trigger fan that's like so obvious to me because it doesn't necessarily make sense that it's inspired by Chrono Trigger Chrono Trigger is a Japanese RPG it's party based turn based combat all that kind of stuff so this sim game about farming, you know what I mean? It's just an right. odd influence, but it's it's there and it's like in inescapable. But yeah, and I it's I think it's very much a passion project. At least it it feels that way. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm very glad that Concerned Abe continues to, you know, offer updates for the games. Uh, just a little while ago, there was the um uh, the 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 new map. I forget what other major changes there were, but there were a, there was a lot listed in the uh, the notes for that latest update. Um, do we want to talk about like our first experiences with it? Because I was thinking back to when I first started hearing some buzz about this game. I was very interested because I really like some of the Harvest Moon games. And for a long time, it felt like there was a drought of like quality Harvest Moon games. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this game looks like it might kind of um, scratch the itch as it were. So I initially played it on PC, fell in love with it. I forgot to check uh, my Steam to see how many hours I played, but I played, I played quite a bit of Stardew Valley. And then later... And I don't remember when you started playing it, but eventually we were playing on PS4. And then in, was it just early 2020 when we started playing with our uh, friend group? Because we had we had a farm with four of us. That sounds right. It was, Does that sound about right? Yeah, late 2019 or, or maybe early 2020. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was on the, the Switch, right? No, I think that was PS4 as well, wasn't that it? That was that was PS4. Because okay. I was talking about well, getting that trophy for the. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the game, and well, it didn't work. I've I've played with um my partner on on the Switch, so I have I have no shame. Like I've purchased it for three <laughs> different platforms, um, but it's worth it. I mean, it's it's a fairly inexpensive game, and considering the quality of the game and just the characters and like. I don't know. Adorable is is the word that I would that I would use to describe it. And it's just like very wholesome, I think. And it's one of those games where there can be stressful moments. Mm -hmm. But overall, it's such a chill game. Like, it's just it's perfect. That's one of the things that I really 
that really resonated with me as well. So I came into this game in October of 2017. I remembered okay. posting a screenshot of that first festival, is it the Egg Festival, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, because when I heard that there was dating elements in this game, which you know I've said yep. before, I, I love dating elements. I was <laughs> like, ooh, I wanna, I can't wait to pick someone to date. And I didn't know the mechanics of the game fully, the systems, and so I didn't quite know that you need to be to a certain level with a character to dance with them, and that it's almost right. impossible to do that at that first that first festival. So I was very excited, and I'm already like, who do, who am I already kind of developing a crush <laughs> on? Who am I going to ask? And then I was like, excuse me, Leah, you know, because Leah's the one right. who like kind of was drawing my eye. I mean, you want to dance? And she's like, get away from me. You're disgusting. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe Abigail, because we're both nerds and then we like video games. And she's like, you're the worst person. I want to kill you. And I'm like, fine, I'll go with Haley. She seems like she'll probably be up to her. She just wants to dance oh, with someone. Haley. Yeah. And she's like, I would rather have a, a dinosaur spit in my face or something. I That was so stupid. But <laughs> But yeah, they just, no one wanted to dance with me and it was very sad. So I took a screenshot right, and I was right. like that, you know, this is Projection. my, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, like you said, I own it for PC because I, I want to say, yeah, you're right. We started with the PS4 version. I think it was right when that released. Um, okay. But I ended up getting it for PC. I bought it for the Switch and I bought the physical version for PS4 as well because when we first got it, I think oh. the physical version wasn't out yet. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, you know that's something that I should do. Thank you for reminding me of that because that that game is just so like dear to yeah. me that I want a physical copy of and it. And it comes with the soundtrack, which is great. I love oh. the soundtrack. But okay, sorry. I'm I'm. Let me go back. So when <laughs> I first came to this game, I was I'd never played a Harvest Moon game. I've heard of them. I know okay. that they were like the Animal Crossing games, which I played since the the first one so i'm a big fan of those but i knew that there was like a different day night cycle because in animal crossing the day night cycle is a, the cycle of of the real world so you know mm-hmm. it goes for a tw- it's a 24-hour cycle it starts with sunrise about the time that you would have sunrise in the real world during in you know in your hemisphere and then it the night you know the the sun sets at night in as it does in real uh, real life so the Stardew Valley and the Harvest Moon games have a more um, clock-based. I don't know how I would say There's a word for it, but... Yeah, they have their own, like, internal clock, and so the time just passes. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I don't actually know how long, like, an in-game day is, if it's, like... 20 minutes or something. How many? 20 minutes or something like 20 that. 20 minutes, that some, something right? like that. Yeah. yeah, 20, 25 minutes, something like that. And so that sounded more stressful to me because with Animal Crossing, I can wake up, I can get to stuff whenever I get to it. Right. And the idea that with this game, because Stardew Valley was one of the games that I had kind of heard about vaguely. And then you were the one that was like, hey, I'm going to play this. It's, I think it's really cool. And so that kind of got me into it. Because I was like, hey, it's a game we can like talk about, you know, and mm-hmm. play together and stuff like that. Um, but we didn't play together play together for a long time because I got hooked on my own and like on my own farm. Right. And I think the reason that this game for me is impactful is, is based on kind of or based around that thing that you were talking about, where there are stressful elements if you get down into the mines because you can do mining in this mm-hmm. game, um, where there's some combat and things like that. Uh, you risk losing stuff. You risk dying. Oh, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So You can lose some good shit. <laughs> right. And so 
there are definitely some stressful things and even just the stress of like trying to make money because there's always something to buy at first. Yes. You need to buy seeds. You want to buy an upgrade for your backpack. There's so many things that you need or want to spend money on. But I mean, it depends on what your goals are. You also want to be working toward finishing the community center, which is sort of the end of the game. Like that's how you right. beat or, the game. Or not. There's really no pressure. Like you can approach the game basically however you want within its systems, which is, I think, kind of cool. It is definitely cool. But for me, who's a very kind of traditional gamer, mm -hmm. I'm like, how do I beat the game? How do I do well? Right. I want to do well. And so I knew that I had to work toward the community center. I knew I wanted to make a bigger farm, get a bigger house, get animals, all these different things. And so when I first started playing, I was like, this is going to be overwhelming. This is going to be too stressful. There's too many things to balance. But I thought that and then like eight hours later, I was like, what am I? Am I still playing? Oh, my God. Like time <laughs> went by so quickly because there's something so satisfying about a game like this. Yes. Where you're being productive. You're not being you're just playing a video game. You know, technically speaking, you're not being productive. You're not producing anything. But the game does such a good job at tricking your brain into feeling like you're being productive and feel like you're doing mm -hmm. stuff that's useful and you're building on stuff and you're constantly accomplishing stuff. And and it very much falls into that kind of meme of like, just one more day, just one right. more day, just yes, one more day. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so easy to lose like three, four or five hours in that game. Right. Because one day doesn't feel that long when you have a lot mm -hmm. of stuff to do when you're like, OK, so you have it all planned out in your head. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to do I'm going to water my crops and then I'm going to run into town. I'm going to give this person an egg because they love them. I'm going to you have all these different things that you this little checklist. By the time mm -hmm. you get through with that, you're like, I don't have a lot of time. I guess I'll quickly go and do some fishing. And then the next day already you already have stuff planned out. You're like, I need to do this. And so the days slip by and you end up spending a long time. But again, you're always accomplishing something, or at least I was because mm -hmm. I had that drive to do all of the things. Right. right. Um, but to be clear, you don't have to do all yes, the things. Absolutely. It's very much motivated by just like the the, the player yeah. and what the player wants to accomplish. Um, but I do also get like caught up in like, I have this I need to do and this and this, and I got to run over and see that person before they leave this location mm -hmm. and da da da. <laughs> Um, but it's it's great. Even the music, I, I enjoy the music. Mm -hmm. um, I especially like when you go to the beach area, that kind of summery music. It very much reminds me of um, Harvest Moon. So. It definitely is that kind of music where I'll, I'll hear it out of nowhere and just instantly my heart swells. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I love that game. Um, right. But for me, I, I do want to go back a little bit so to talk about why it's impactful to me personally because that, that idea of that productivity was incredibly valuable for me at the time. So as I mentioned, I first started playing in October of 2017. That year, I had just gone through a breakup uh, from a relationship that I was in for seven years. And so that was a pretty big kind of emotional upheaval and was affecting me and my work. Uh, so my it was my mm -hmm. classwork was starting to suffer for the first time. And I was just struggling to keep up with things and so things like video games or movies or things that I would normally use to relax or have fun just weren't doing the trick because I always felt like I was not doing something that I should be doing I felt guilty about it right and Stardew Valley I played this right in the middle of that that kind of semester or that time 
And I kind of went into it feeling it was going to be the same thing. I was like, well, I'll play this and it'll be something to do, but I'm not going to, it's, it's not really going to scratch any itch, but it did. That's not to say that it cured my depression and anxiety or anything like that, but it, I didn't walk away from it. I always walked away from it feeling satisfied in some way, feeling like I had gotten something done right. because again, it tricked my brain into thinking, oh, maybe you didn't, you know, work on this term paper that you had due in three weeks or whatever but you got that upgrade to that farm that's something you've been working at for days trying to to get enough money for that right. and materials and so for me it was a personally really important and impactful game because it it filled a really important hole that I didn't really know how to fill otherwise you know mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's impact for me um is I mean, mostly just that it's it's a delightful game that I've turned to in, uh, I mean, not just only in like stressful times, and um, I don't think in, in any time that was quite as um, stressful or traumatic as what you described, but having something that was kind of simple, that was there, that I could pick up, accomplish something in 20 minutes yeah. or an hour, and then set aside, and if, if I don't return to it for a day or two... I haven't lost anything. Like I'm not trying to catch up with anyone because it's just my experience. Yeah. So I just um, really appreciate having that game. And it's it's one that we, we kind of return to off and on. And, uh, you know, with the board game, I'm excited to, to try that out, which will probably make me want to just play Stardew Valley more. Um, but, you know, Te- Tirza and I have been talking about starting up a, a game on the Switch so that we can try out the new beach map. So it's it's a delightful little gem and there's a reason why it's why it's so popular yeah it's definitely that kind of game where i it's not a matter of if i'll return to it it's just a matter of when like i know i'm gonna get back to it for me i want to get the damn platinum trophy i (laughs) platinum trophies for me i wouldn't call myself a trophy hunter or anything like that but i love the fact that platinum trophies give me the opportunity to do more in the games that i love or accomplish something that i can Mm -hmm. like I, I would say show off, but I'm not really showing off because who the <laughs> hell looks at, you know, my my PlayStation profile. But um, I like seeing a platinum trophy next to the games that I really love. And so I want to do it. But that journey of the journey of the Prairie King, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is why so I'll never hard. platinum it. I just. <laughs> but in the new update, supposedly you can save your progress or something like that. Uh, or there's like a yeah. checkpointing system. So I still don't think it's possible. <laughs> Let's do it. We can do it together. Before we move on, though, we should talk about, I mean, you know, I think you know what I'm going to ask. Who was your first bay? My first one. Okay, hold on. I, I mean, wanna... you can talk about who your ultimate bay is, too. But my ultimate I'm always bay. curious about the first. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be judged. Um, <laughs> no, I think my 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 first bay and my ultimate bay is um, uh, Leah. Very interesting. Yeah. First and ultimate. Um, yeah, I I'm I just I like her. I think that she's pretty cool and she's artsy and she lives in a little that little cabin like southwest of town. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I just I like her a lot. Plus, like her best gifts gifts are all like food and like quality like food items. Like she's a foodie. Like I can appreciate that. Doesn't she, I mean she likes um stuff that you pick up too right like mushrooms and stuff like that yeah she likes natural stuff but i think it's like the best gifts are things like um 
wine and i think the the muffins and like goat cheese and stuff like that that is one thing she was the she was my second not my second choice she she is my ultimate as well but she was the second person that i i wooed like in my second playthrough Mm -hmm. um and i like there was something very cute and quaint about bringing her bottles of wine you know i I had like a winery in my basement (laughs) i made this thing (laughs) yeah and i'd be like oh man i made a really great you know uh grape wine or something and i'm like let me go Right, right. Plus, I like doing the little artisan things, so Mm. that just kind of fits with with how I typically play the game. That makes sense, yeah. My first is a little embarrassing, and I I, I should just lie and say that it was also Leah, because she is my (laughs) ultimate, but my first was actually Haley, which I know I've Mm -hmm. I've mentioned that to people, and I always get instant judgment, but I think you agree with me that Haley is one of the characters that undergoes the most growth as a character. I think so, yeah. And that felt special to me because I was a part of that growth. So right. my my first choice when I first played through was I was I kept going back and forth. Like immediately I was drawn to Penny. I think she's very cute. I like that she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but she sort of had this like very sad backstory. And I weirdly, I kind of felt weird about the idea that I'd be like rescuing her. Mm -hmm. Like part of me wanted to rescue her, but part of me was like, well, I don't know. It just, I felt sort of weird about it. And then I started leaning toward Abigail because she's a gamer and that was, and I love her hair. She's definitely got that kind of like goth emo kind of style. I love that. But even, even in the, the, the fiction of the game she was a little bit immature Mm -hmm. they don't i don't think they ever say what her age is but i think it's implied that she's probably like 16 to 18 kind of thing and i guess i can fictionalize my character and say that he's you know whatever 18 or 20 or something but it doesn't i just felt kind of weird Mm -hmm. and then i would go to maru because i love science maru loves science she's very pretty um her dad is very scary and intimidating (laughs) so anyways i'm jumping around but Haley was never Haley was last on my list because she's a such a huge bitch and she's so (laughs) just go straight for it (laughs) she is she's a she's a bitch and she's very shallow and vain in the early parts but my journey to picking a bay or to picking a spouse in this game because i wanted to do all the things i knew that i had to get all of the characters up to their max amount of hearts Mm -hmm. before i got married otherwise i couldn't do it without making my spouse jealous so i went through everyone's journey everyone's like narrative journey and again Haley was was the one that was the most dramatic in terms of her change she Mm -hmm. became a much better person um was she perfect no but i think i think weirdly enough most of the other characters become more complicated and more flawed the more you learn about them Mm mm-hmm Haley, I felt was the opposite. And so there was something about being on that journey with her and like, you know, helping her find herself that I don't know, just felt sort of special. So yeah, she's not my my ultimate bay, but she was she was she the was first, the first. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough. Uh, well, anything else you want to add? I don't want to. No, I think on. I think that's good. Stardew Valley. We definitely recommend yeah. it. I'm in keeping with with these very notable indies that jumped to mind. Should we just move on to Minecraft? Yeah. And I mean, we've already talked about that a little bit. Um, So maybe we don't need to go into as much length. But if you haven't heard of Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that came out. Well, the alpha was 2009. The official release was 2011. Um, 
and it's been it's had a pretty active user base since what were we what were the numbers we were talking about earlier was it like it was still like a hundred million some active users yeah last year right I think like, so, yeah yeah it's it's so wild to me but how would you how would you describe this game so obviously it's it's kind of notable for its um procedurally generated block style kind of world but it's it's truly like an open world not only yeah. in like the the environment itself in the scope but it's open in that you get to decide what you want to do mm-hmm. and there are like some survival elements like you need food to survive in unless you're playing in creative but outside of that you literally do whatever you want whether that's crafting and building mining exploring fighting the the options are yours yeah, we talked about that a little bit with Stardew Valley about how the game doesn't it doesn't require you to take certain paths, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of kind of framework to that game that recommends or kind of suggests or allows right. for different things or kind of encourages you in different ways. Minecraft doesn't have that. Minecraft, like nope. you said, it procedurally procedurally generates a world for you with different topography and all that stuff, biomes, and then it's like here you go and you just do what you want like you said you can create stuff you can destroy stuff um that's something that was i mean there are games where you can point to uh like i want to say it was like red faction or something like that where you can like destroy almost anything in the world but um this idea that you can like dish like basically just mine and carve a gigantic hole in the world yeah or build a gigantic mountain or build a house or build a farm or whatever or spend your entire time exploring like yeah (laughs) there's really there's there's very few restrictions um and there's it's it's totally up to player motivation for what you want to do um i first played it on pc i've played it quite a bit on um the ps4 and now the ps5 which is how we're we're playing with our with our friends we started up a realm server Uh, oh i've played it on the switch a little bit too so it's another game that i've purchased on on multiple platforms and I do think it's one of those games where after a little while, I start to run out of like ideas of like what I want to do and goals and things like that. And mm-hmm. so I know like eventually with our friend group, we'll, pro- we'll probably fall off a little bit. But it's another game where I will return to it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's like I mentioned previously, it's such a game that hasn't really there have been a lot of additions to it, but the core premise and gameplay hasn't changed almost at all and so Mm -hmm. every time i step back into it i'm i'm nervous but then i'm like this is immediately familiar so yeah i definitely think that i'll i'll probably play it as well i think in terms of impact for me one of the reasons it's so impactful is the the time that we spent with our students yes so we mentioned that we played the game with our students when we were developing a course around video games back in we started the course in 2016 right so we started playing in 2015. Is that does that sound right? Well, it was during our master's time. So, so did we start the class in 2015? Was it spring? Because then it was the spring that we graduated. That sounds right then. So then 2014 yeah, yeah, yeah. is when we were playing it. Yeah. So we, what we did was we set up a server in one of our labs, one of our university labs. Um, we were given permission to download it in the lab and students would basically buy their own copy of the game and mm-hmm. then come into the lab, sign in under their account. Uh, they also had the option to play at home. Most students did that. Um, and so we had the server and we 
each were teaching one section and we mm -hmm. had both of our sections make a town on this server. So what we did was we set up a little kind of safe area for our students where we set up just like some a couple of very basic pathways, some signs saying Yeah, we we had like a like a, a village that was like a hub for our classes and I right. can remember marking it with a trail and a sign and I think some flags or banners or something. Yeah. And then and then we put some torches down just to make sure there weren't too many monsters yeah. in the area. Uh, and then students just had to create their own character. Um, they could use, we gave them access to a skin mm -hmm. um, mod where they can add whatever skin they wanted to to their character and design their own character. And then they came onto the server. We played in survival. Mm -hmm. And that was such, I, I, I understand why we haven't done it since. It is complicated to do. It is. <laughs> um, but it was so much fun. Our students, I mean, we should say that not all of our students were wild about it. Some students just kind of did the bare minimum and came in and yeah, yeah. made a little house or whatever. But some students did did so much. I mean, um, we had I had one student that made a, a giant floating like pond or lake or something that mm -hmm. had like a waterfall that came down to the the town, which was very cool. Um, I had one student that made this big, beautiful house. This student was like a master player. He knew, I think, more about the game than I did. <laughs> he talked about having Raspberry Pi and making his own mods oh. and stuff. So, mm -hmm. so he had made like automated machines that would, I don't even remember what they did, but they just did stuff. And I was like, this is really impressive. Um, I myself made, because we had admin control, so we could, mm -hmm. you know, our students were in survival, but we could kind of do whatever we wanted. And yeah. I made... We, we would help them, for the record. If they, yeah, absolutely. We <laughs> if would they were on, struggling, right, we they, would definitely communicate. <laughs> it was always online, so our students could go online whenever we mm -hmm. wanted, whenever they wanted. But there were certain times where we said, we're going to be online if you want to talk. You know, we can help you with stuff, that kind of thing. Um, but I made, like, a giant Death Star. Yeah, and it was so cool. It, like, I used this, this sphere tool where you can just make a giant sphere out of whatever materials and then i drilled into the center and put tnt and i was like <laughs> if they can make it up to the death star and make it into the center they can blow up the death star um, i made wayne tower out of obsidian and i had a conference room at the top and i would meet yeah. with my students in the conference room that was really fun um and so it was just just starting my minecraft experience with that you know, you and I messed around with it beforehand to kind of get the hang yeah. of it and stuff. Yeah. But that was one of my earliest experiences. And remember, okay, so immediately when we started, we made our characters look like us. Yes. And then after a <laughs> while, we were like, okay, we can mix it up a little bit. So mm -hmm. I I became Batman. Yeah. And then you and thought I switched it would be to funny. the Robin Yeah, skin. that you yeah. thought it would be Robin. And then one of my students made himself Cyborg. Yeah. And so we're like running around as like this little like Justice League thing. It was very... Somewhere we still have a picture of that. I yeah, know we do. <laughs> I definitely have that. It's it's in one of our presentations. We gave a presentation yeah. on it. And we, mm -hmm. we included that picture. Um, but it not only was it just like a great experience overall and with the class but i feel like it was one of the experiences that sort of i mean i don't want to speak too much for for the two of us but i feel like it was a foundational experience that sort of grounded ourselves as yes we were you know rhetoric and composition teachers but teachers using gaming right. and that kind of made us feel like maybe we had a little more ownership over like games and composition you know and that's actually a thing and we have that experience and i think we've both read articles where people like theorize about doing stuff like this but like we were one of the people that actually did it and that i think that's cool yeah absolutely and i think there's a lot of people out there that and i'm not trying to throw shade or anything <laughs> like that but there are a lot of academics who are opportunistic and so mm -hmm. they'll say oh there's 
opportunities in publishing or, or right. you know, making a name for myself by publishing about this thing. And so in our experience, there are a lot of games scholars or games scholarship, I guess I should say, um, where it's obvious that the author is not very familiar with video games. Yeah. And I felt like us coming in and playing with our students and not just doing it as like a, I guess this would be interesting or useful. Yeah, we were coming at it from a place of experience rather than talking about it on the outside of the, yeah. the object of study. So, yeah. yeah. So, but no, so the, it was great all around. And mm -hmm. I think Minecraft is really versatile for, for things just like that. Yeah, to this day, like I said, they've, they haven't really made it very restrictive. And there are so many mods out there for the PC that I, I mm -hmm. really feel like you could do almost anything with it. And yeah. An educational exciting. environment. Yeah, definitely. Anything else we want to add about that? No, I don't think so. So let's let's move on. What uh what's the next game on your impactful indies list? Yes. So I played a game last year, I almost said this year. We're in a <laughs> weird time warp here. Um last year called Tell Me Why. And it is it released episodically. So episodes came out, I believe, August through September of twenty twenty. And it was developed by Don't Nod Entertainment and then was published by Xbox Game Studios. And I ended up playing it on PC. So I'm going to keep this brief just because I don't want to spoiler it. It's a very narrative driven game as opposed to Minecraft and Stardew Valley. Um, but essentially, you play through the game experiencing the lives of twins, Tyler and Allison. And they are in Alaska and they're trying to take their their childhood home and get it ready to be sold but as they are going through the house and kind of reliving memories there's a lot of like mystery and even trauma regarding their relationship with their mom who has passed and i think i'm going to leave the the narrative bit at that because again it's very very narrative heavily heavy but I think that the game is notable for a couple of reasons, and perhaps one of the, the more prominent of those reasons is the fact that Tyler is um, a trans man. And I, I want to acknowledge up front that there has been some criticism of the game because it's telling another sort of like trans tragedy story. And I totally understand that we need to have games uh, and just narratives in general that move beyond traumatic trans stories. So I, I definitely don't disagree with that criticism. But I do want to say that I still appreciated the representation. And I especially appreciated some of the smaller moments. So for example, there was a moment in the game where Tyler and Allison are talking and Tyler mentions wanting to um, save up money for for top surgery, which is uh, something that I went through earlier in the year. So that really resonated with me. But what I appreciated with that reference was that the game didn't slow itself down to explain that reference. Instead, it just assumed, hey, we're going to respect our audience. They're going to know what that means. And if they don't, we're not going to make a spectacle out of the character of Tyler. We're going to let the audience then go out and educate themselves. And I, I really like that because I thought that was a mature, um, I don't want to say like a mature moment of the game, but like a mature, 
I guess, narrative expectation, if that makes sense. Because you know how like you sometimes watch watch a movie or a TV show or even play a game and they they, they have to have a character that sort of represents the audience and that they don't know something. Right. And then there are other forms of media that assume, no, you're you're a critically minded adult. You can follow along. Um, and so I just appreciated sort of the maturity that they took with that, with that um, uh, moment and also other aspects of um, Tyler's identity as, as a trans man. Um, I also think that the game does some interesting things with memory. And so throughout the game, it will have you play through sequences where Tyler and Allison are children and you play through from both of their perspectives, which is really interesting because the game is trying to get you to come at, well, which memory do you think is true or which memory do you think is accurate? And sometimes you don't you don't really know, like, uh, do I trust Tyler's perspective or do I trust Allison's perspective? And that has uh, an impact on the, the story and the sequence of events. So I thought that that was really interesting. I also appreciated that the developers... Um, don't not entertainment they worked with glad uh to make sure that the trans representation was um you know fitting and tyler is also voiced by a trans man um i believe by the name of i think it's august aiden black Mm -hmm. um so i just really appreciated the effort that they took with this because far too often we have representation that is definitely lacking within video games and so i just really appreciated that that aspect of the development yeah, if you don't have someone who belongs to the group that you're representing on your team, at least hire a consultant. At least hire yeah. someone to give They're you some there. feedback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it de- I, it doesn't have to change the game. Like you said, in this game, this game in particular, there's still some criticism out there, mm-hmm. but it takes some very important steps, and I think that should be applauded. You know what I mean? It's doing some of the yeah. stuff that that industry or like developers have been called to do for quite a while so i didn't play the game i watched you stream some Mm -hmm. of it um but it is from the same team that did the life is strange games right yes so i i loved life is strange and before the storm i haven't played life is strange 2 yet yeah Um, me either but when i watched you stream it it was it very much had the life is strange 2 kind of rhythm to the narrative Mm -hmm. and to the voice acting and everything so if you're familiar with those games you like those games i definitely think it's worth checking out it's been on my list of games that i'm like i need to check out for a long time i just with the epic episodic stuff i want to play all of it at once so i always end up just kind of waiting on those things and like who knows when i get to them but right yeah, but I definitely recommend them. Um, I think that the developers do a really good job with those narrative-based uh, games and the character development in the world and, and things like that. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what they what they come up with next. Life is Strange 2 is coming out. Wait a minute. It's already out, right? Like the entire thing is already out. So I think that's I, why yeah, yeah. it's on my mind. It's, it's something I want to I wanna check out soon as well. Um, so we talked a little bit about Emily is Away and Emily is Away 2 last week. Mm-hmm. but that for me is very impactful. I think it's probably on your list based on our conversations yes. about it, right? And just to give a brief recap, if you didn't listen to it last week, essentially these these games are what I would what I might call desktop sim or narrative mm-hmm. games. Uh, and in both cases, your primary mode of gameplay or the primary mechanic is you're, you're communicating with someone through AOL Instant Messenger. 
And in Emily is Away 1, you play a young college freshman who has left home to go to college and you're keeping in contact with a a girl that you had a crush on in high school. Mm -hmm. And the narrative of the first game unfolds over the four years of college with you talking with her and in some ways kind of reminiscing about the past and in some ways kind of maybe developing this romantic relationship. Um, Because I'm pretty sure I remember them. It's pretty clear that you, your character has a crush on Emily. Yeah. And then the second game takes place slightly after that. Oh, I should say the first game, both games were were created by Kyle Seeley. Mm -hmm. And the first game came out in 2015 for Steam. Second game came out in 2017, also for Steam. And And that first one is free, by the way. Yes, absolutely. So definitely check it out. Um, Although I will say, I don't want to spoil too much, but I will say that the ending to the first game is a little bit of a downer. So yeah, don't let that dissuade you. If you're kind of bummed out by the ending of the first game, don't don't let it dissuade you from playing the second game. The second game uh, is very different. It's a little bit more fleshed out. There's a little bit more choice that you can make. So so definitely give that one a shot, too. Mm-hmm. But what about what about these games was impactful for you? Um, I think the nostalgia factor mm-hmm. <laughs> was just kind of refreshing and it was a different take. I, I've seen it described a lot as like a visual novel and I think it was sort of an inventive take on visual novels. Yeah. I I don't know what the first like desktop simulator game is, but this was one of the first ones that I think I played. Um, and, and the story for Emily is way is pretty linear. Uh, there's not a whole lot that you can kind of affect with the game, but I still found myself like oddly, um, just, I don't know. I just, I, I was very drawn to the story and getting to know Emily and Mm -hmm. they, there's enough like textual detail within the game to really make you care about her and kind of be invested in that story. So I think for me, nostalgia factor, and there's just something really catching about Emily. There's something about the mechanical interface of typing your answers. Yeah. Even though you don't really type the answers, like it'll Mm -hmm. give you a choice to say two or three different things. Yeah. And in order to say those things, you, you select them, but then to make the words appear in the text box, you have to type on your computer yeah. and you don't have to type the actual words. You can, if you want, you can mm-hmm. just type gibberish, but that's what makes the words appear in the text box. And so it feels like you're actually communicating or typing. Yeah. And, and I think that helps to make it, it makes it feel like Emily's real and like yeah. it's an actual conversation that you're having, having that like tactile input that mm-hmm. you have to, that you have to do. Absolutely. And for me, the nostalgia was, like you said, a big factor because the first game, if I remember correctly, was set a year after my own high school graduation. So I think it said that that character graduated from high school in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. I graduated in 2001. And so that experience was my experience. I didn't go away to college right away, but that idea of talking to someone through aim was so new and it's something that like i i feel like you can't really capture it now because we went from talking with people on the phone because email was never really like a popular Mm -hmm. form of communication with young people i would say so we went from like talking with people on the phone and getting people's phone number and like if you like someone like if you have a crush on someone asking for their phone number is terrifying because 
they're going to under, they, they know why you're asking for the phone number. You know what I mean? You don't just ask like, oh, hey, we should be friends. What's your phone number? Right. It's a little bit more suspicious. And there's, so there's more anxiety and tension that goes into like, I like this girl. I should get her phone number, especially in high school when you don't have like the social skills to, to flirt. Um, and so going from that to AOL Instant Messenger, which even at first wasn't really popular. I do feel like by the time this game is set, 2002, mm-hmm. it was more popular. It was it was a little bit less nerdy. Um, but even at that point in time, getting someone's AOL, AOL Instant Messenger or AIM, that's what it was abbreviated as, AIM, <laughs> even getting their name was so much more casual or easy. You know, it was like, oh, what's your AIM name? Because you just, you can AIM with like friends casually. You don't have to, there's no pressure to like oh I have to call at a certain time or make sure that I'm home or anything like that and so we don't have that anymore we have cell phones and texting and all that kind of stuff and so it was a very like I've seen your text why haven't you responded yeah exactly (laughs) and it's like I wasn't home or I had an away message you know like there are all these things that are not something that um, younger people today can easily access like how do you access that experience but this game does a pretty good job of simulating it and it brought back so many memories because not even the act of communicating through AOL Instant Messenger that was a big part of it the sound effects the typing and all that stuff but there were so many cultural references like you can choose Mm -hmm. your profile icon and there were references to like the ring there was Avril Lavigne which I was (laughs) weirdly big on at the time Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers the Matrix like all of this stuff that you know in a vacuum like I can talk about the matrix now and I don't necessarily feel nostalgic but when you are like here's the hip cool stuff the matrix lord of the rings like all these things I'm like oh man that feels like 2002 like it really does a a good job of transporting me back emotionally um to that time and that was just really super powerful and impactful for Mm -hmm. me yeah, I, I cannot wait for the next one. Yeah. I'm very excited. Same. And like I said, I will say, so this is a bit of a spoiler, a very broad, not specific spoiler, but the first game takes you down a pretty pretty kind of sad path. And so I do yeah. remember being emotional at the end of that first game in a bad way because it reminded me of so many relationships or attempted relationships that didn't work out or or like just that that sadness that comes with being a you know a teenager and having this huge crush and it never coming to fruition or anything mm-hmm. the second game again there's a lot more options there so by the end of that game yeah i felt a lot more satisfied with how things played out because i felt like i had it's it yeah. was a little bit more of a fantasy right the first game is a little mm-hmm. bit more pro- probably autobiographical the second yeah. game was more of like you can take a role in this narrative it doesn't have to be the author of the game's story it can be your story right so right and seeing Seely kind of change the formula a little bit is in part what has me excited for the third one so one of the things he tweeted out recently about emily's away three was a i think it was an animated gif of like an in-game version or fictional version of farmville i think and like, oh. I'm wondering, I'm like, is that what's taking so long? Is he adding like a game within a game and wow. all of this kind of stuff? But I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm very excited for that one. If it's anything like these other two, these two games are very short. Emily's Way 1 and 2. You can probably beat both of them in two or three hours total. You combine them. But uh, 
but this next game I feel like is probably going to be more more meaty um but yeah so i'm really excited about that what other what other impactful indies do you got for us all right i'm going to talk about rust which is maybe (laughs) slightly surprising maybe not um (laughs) i already talked about this a little bit in episode zero i think so yeah so rust was released in early february of 2018 and it's developed by Face Punch Studios. And um, at the time, it was just available on PC. Now it's out on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Um, I became aware of Rust through Let's Plays on YouTube. Um, and then I decided to kind of check it out for myself. So I knew of games like Daisy, because uh, that's been in development for a very long time. Uh, but I'd never really tried a multiplayer survival game. And so I. I bought Rust. It was, um, I actually played it when it was in alpha, so it was much rougher at the time. But um, it's a multiplayer survival game. And at the time, there were radioactive zones and there were zombies. So it was still very much that era in games when it was very, like, zombie heavy. Mm -hmm. But they ended up shifting away from that through the development. And the game sort of maintains this heavy emphasis on hostile environments. So you have, like, bears and wolves and predators, things like that. But there's also combat and crafting. Crafting is a huge uh, component of this, crafting bases and stuff. Now, in the past some people compared rust to as as if it was like minecraft and daisy combined mm-hmm. that's kind of true i think is definitely more on the daisy <laughs> side of things than minecraft but um that may have been a more apt description when it was in its alpha phase uh but in this game uh you can you can play solo and you can play on private servers or have servers that you that you purchase and you know just play with your friends but the kind of big draw is that the greatest threat in the game is other players Mm -hmm. and so that constant threat of am i going to be killed today how many times am i going to be killed uh am i going to take my little squad or my clan and go you know mess up the the clan over the hill um i think it's it's interesting as far as games go but obviously when you have this sort of somewhat uncontrolled environment that does tend to lead to quite a bit of toxicity and i would say rust especially today is really known for the toxic player base um but it's also interesting because rust has gone through various phases of popularity so when it came out and it started gaining some some traction due to like uh youtube let's players and even on twitch it was initially kind of popular um and i actually went back so i think i have this noted somewhere where is it um it was something like rust in its pre-release phase sold over 5 million copies and so that that was that was before it officially released so that's kind of wild to me um and it also made me think about how different game releases are now as far as like the pc market is concerned just because it's you know if you follow a game and it's it's alpha and you follow it through to like it's finished phase right it's out it's a it's a finished product in the world I started up Rust a while ago, and yes, there have been changes, but it's still like the same game. You know what I mean? Like, whereas when you get a game on console, it's a new finished product. Maybe you'll have like a, a, a special invite beta or something like that. But I think it's interesting how games like Rust, I think, have sort of shaped and, and altered the landscape of 
games, especially indie games on Steam with, um, you know, early access and things like that. And so I don't know, I just I find that interesting. And maybe we can have a, a lengthier conversation about that. But one of the reasons why Rust is sort of memorable for me is that it is one of the games that initially made me feel like a like an actual gamer. Wow. So as I talked about in that episode zero, um, I was playing Rust by myself. And I can't imagine doing this now because of my anxiety. But I was playing <laughs> on just like a random server. And it had like it was a high pop server. Yeah. So people are, you know, being murdered left and right. And I remember I built this little shack and I got it built and I felt so proud of myself. And night was falling and it was so dark and kind of creepy. And, you know, you have like the in-game chat and text is flying and there was there were some guys and they had gotten like separated and lost and one of those guys stumbled across my shelter and I was like you can come inside and because of that simple move I ended up joining up with this group of guys and we played rust for like 300 hours like it was yeah, it <laughs> it was it was my jam for a while there. So it gave me that sense of community. Uh, it was one of my first experiences of like playing with randoms on the Internet. And it actually turned out to be a good experience instead of a toxic one. Um, and it was definitely kind of at the height of like my my PC gaming time. So, yeah, it will it will always be there with mostly positive uh, memories. There's there's some toxic <laughs> stuff that happened, like getting harassed in game and things like that. Yeah. But um, I don't know. My experience with Rust was mostly on the fun side of things. Yeah, that. So you were on voice chat too, right? That's terrifying yeah. to me. I, oh yeah. Like oh, even yeah. today, you know, I I used to do that. I used to play when I would play games like SOCOM and Halo Three online. I played those mm-hmm. online a ton. I was fine with voice chat for some reason, but now I don't know. There's there's just some extra vulnerability there. Yeah. And I think in part it's because then I didn't quite have as much online gaming experience. And so I was just starting to see the kind of toxic behavior that is very typical Mm -hmm. of these kinds of games. And now that I'm rapidly heading towards 31. I've had a lot more time <laughs> with these games and I've, I'm not as naive. I definitely know what, what can happen yeah. <laughs> out there in, in these video games. And I think just that and, you know, anxiety in general and stuff like that. But I do remember um, when we were playing together initially, when I kind of fell in with these group of guys, um, I was just communicating in the chat and then I don't know, like after a day or so, they were they invited me to the Teamspeak server, and I was nervous because they didn't know, um, like my gender, right. at, you know, at the time, and so I was very nervous at the time, being like, oh, actually, I'm uh, I, I'm not a dude, <laughs> <laughs> but it 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 went fine, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that for me was just I remember you following in with them and talking about that, and it was so. I felt such relief because I was expecting things to go wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they very well could have. <laughs> yeah. I we You and I played for a little bit. Um, it just wasn't my kind of game because mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I was talking before about how rewarding a game like Stardew Valley or Minecraft is because you can be so productive in the game. Right. This game is not set up for that. This game is about the experience. You know what I mean? It's about the mm-hmm. survival part of it. And so yep. if you go into it with that mindset, I think you could have a lot of fun with a game like this. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, I'm just I'm in there for the experience. I'm in there to do stuff and accomplish stuff and maybe get stuff wrecked or whatever. But yeah. um, that's that's it. If you're going into it with the idea that you're going to build something to keep, it's like... No, that's just not the kind of game that right. it is. Especially at the time they were wiping the servers a lot. So I remember yes. finally getting up like a little cache and a little like hut and being mm-hmm. like kind of proud of it. And then they wiped the servers and I was like... Yeah. So if and it's someone... so much more difficult when you're solo. Yeah. And if someone's not coming along and stealing my stuff, the, the devs are <laughs> going to... You know, yeah. So... Yeah. Um, I can definitely see how that that game would be attractive. Um, I'm always like, I want to find a game like that, but I haven't yeah. haven't quite found anything anything yet. So next up is a game that I thought was on your list. We didn't go, we didn't make these lists together. We made them on no. our own. Uh, but very briefly before we started recording. We were just out of curious, just sharing, you know, and mm-hmm. I said something like, well, I, I know this game is on your list, Papers, Please. And you were <laughs> like, no, I haven't played it. And I was I so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I could swear. I mean, I think we've talked about it. I probably talked to you about it. We have it. talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I've used it in the classroom at a couple of points. And so I think it's uh, probably a game that just has come up in our conversations about games mm-hmm. in the classroom and everything. But this is a game that's sounds so boring i understand it the concept is that you work as what a great sell <laughs> i i know i know but it does in in you're you're a desk worker who's doing paperwork essentially so you work in this um i don't know if you would be called a border agent probably you work in this so let me let me back up the setting is a fictional eastern european soviet-like country uh it takes place in the 1980s if i remember correctly and you are a part of you're you're a citizen of this country and the game is very kind of very clearly sets it up as this country that is has a very high unemployment and people are very fortunate to get jobs but you can't just get any job that it has to be it's a I'm, i'm assuming it's based on some form of like 1980s cold war era communism um where you have to be a part of a job lottery that's how you get your job so your mm-hmm. character gets lucky and gets this job through the job lottery and the job just so happens to be the person who sits at the desk and checks passports for people to come into the country so that's your job and you have to check people's papers to let them into the country or prevent them from getting it that's the, so that's why i'm saying the concept sounds very boring you're like oh i get to work a desk job in a tiny little uh booth Exciting. right um and then and the game sets you up for failure so Again, the, the setting is this this very war-torn, impoverished country. And at the end of every day, so the, day, the, day has, the game has this internal clock. At the end of the day, you have to use the money that you made at work to pay bills, to pay for heating and potentially medicine and food. And you have a family. You have a, a wife. I believe you have two children. You have a, a mother-in-law, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Um, and you have to pay. And if... if you don't pay the heating bill, then the next day it's going to be cold. And that might Mm -hmm. lead to your family getting sick, which then you need to spend extra money on medicine. And if you don't buy medicine, they might die. The ultimate goal of the game is for you to buy fake passports to get your family out of the country. 
but you have to save up money to get those passports. They're very expensive. And so you have to work this job. The game doesn't really give you much of a choice. If you don't work the job, you get thrown in jail. Like that's the Mm -hmm. end of the game. And so again, you're living this very kind of controlling totalitarian type of state. Um, But part of the reason it's so impactful, I think is because we talk, we talked a little bit last week about politics and games. This is a Mm -hmm. game that's very political. It's, it has something that's, that's it clearly is saying about war and the complexities of thinking of one nation as evil because we think of that nation as something that we don't identify with in our country they have a different ideology a different political system and therefore they're evil but what if you're a person in that country who just wants to provide for their family what if you don't want to live in that country but you live under fear of being thrown in jail or because you're not working or you're not doing your job right or being killed um, yeah. or your family Shit's complicated dying. right and so it's saying something that's very political and the gameplay again it sort of sets you up for failure because you don't make a lot of money it's hard to get through those papers the first day is pretty easy you just have to check i think a couple of things on the papers like okay. date of birth or something in picture um, so the very first day you make an okay amount of money, but guess what? It's still not enough to pay your bill. So you start falling behind the game sets you up for that. Um, so then you have to start getting better and you start getting better at the mechanics. You start getting better at checking these papers and making sure they're okay. And then something will happen in the game where security gets tighter. And now you have to check for even more things. There's another type of document that you have to check, or you have to check for another type of specific piece of data. And, so it's taking longer to check these papers. So you get better and faster, but now it's, it's extra work. And if you, right, again, right. if you do something wrong, you get a demerit. And if you get, I think, two or three demerits, you oh, lose shit. your job and the game is over. So it's 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 weirdly sort of stressful and kind of grim, again, if we're talking about like tone and what the narrative is saying. But I do think that it was saying something important. And there is there are parts that are funny there's definitely humor there's a character named georgie who keeps trying to get into the country and he keeps giving you these papers that are like very obviously forged like he drew them like they're just (laughs) really terrible um and he he'll come in and make some dumb joke or something and he's just so like naive and innocent and you want him (laughs) to get in the country kind of because he wants to right and then you're like i'm sorry buddy got to get out of here but you can see him later and it's it's very fun but um But like I said, I do think that it says some interesting stuff. And one of the things that I like to talk to my students about is a little bit of a spoiler for one very specific part of the game. Um, There are interesting moments that you have to make a decision whether or not you do the thing that you think is morally right or Mm -hmm. do the thing that your country wants you to do. And so basically to do your job right. So in one instance, the one that I, I bring up with my students is this man comes in and he seems very nervous and he's like oh hello um i i we just want to make because again it's a war-torn area so the countries that these people are trying to get away from the country that you're in in currently is not depicted as a good country but these other countries are at war probably with your country so these are refugees who are like in really kind of dire straits so this man wants to get into the country and he's you can tell he's like very nervous and he's like i just got married and me and my wife we can't wait to start you know uh, a, a new life in in your beautiful country and he's being very kind of flattering and stuff 
And you're like, okay, buddy, that's kind of weird. And you check his papers mm-hmm. and he checks out. So, okay, go ahead. And he's like, my, my wife's coming after me. Please, like, please, like, be, be nice to her. Like, take care of her. So she comes in and she's very quiet and shy. And you look at her papers and they don't, they don't match. Uh-oh. So what do you do? The husband's already in the country. His papers God. checked out. Do you <laughs> not split them up and let her go in and get a demerit? and risk you know what i mean like risk getting more demerits and losing your job um can you can you risk that do you have you not made any mistakes so you're like yeah i can let her go through or do you do your job correctly and keep her and split them up you know what i mean it's wow. it's yeah and so it, it presents you with situations like that I, that i think are really thought provoking and interesting so for me that's that's part of the reason why it's been a it, it's a pretty impactful game it's for the pc i don't think it's out for console um that's where i i played it but uh, I think it holds up. The interface is very sort of retro and simplistic. So um, if you're going into it, don't expect this kind of 3D, very detailed, okay. beautiful kind of game. But I think it's it's a really great game that I recommend to to anyone. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have to play it at some point so I can stop disappointing you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to bring it up every time and be like, well, you played that, right? And you're going to be like, no, shut up. <laughs> Um, I am going to jump to another one because I know we, when we compared lists, I ended up having a few more than you did. So I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to, you know, totally monopolize the end of the list, but, um, this next one, I'll, I'll probably keep it pretty short. It's a game called Honey Pop. It is for the PC. I don't think it'll ever be released for the console because it is very sexually charged and, um, there's a lot of, of graphic sexuality in it. Uh, you have not played this one either, have you? No, I haven't. Okay. It's it's from a, a team called Honeypot. It came out in 2015. I think it was crowdfunded. And essentially, okay. it's a dating sim slash puzzle game. And, you know, I love me some dating sims. So that's yeah. part of what drew me to that one. Um, the puzzle game, I expected, I, I expected, honestly, to try this game. I got it during a Steam, a Steam sale for like, I don't know, probably like 30 cents or something. Um I'm just kidding because Steam sales are are, Damn, are very dramatic. It, it literally was probably like two or three bucks, but sure. um, it was enough to be like, I'll just try it. Like I'm I'm probably going to hate the puzzles and I'll probably give up very quickly. The puzzles were actually fun. They're match three like tile matching puzzle game or puzzles. And so they go pretty quick. And those are what you what you do for the dates. So essentially, let me back up and, and kind of give the premise is you're this young person. I think you can choose between a man or a woman. Um, and you're this young person who is new to the area. And there's this love fairy. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember the exact opening premise. <laughs> but there's this like love fairy who's trying to get you to get out and get more dates and like go on more dates and stuff. And so she starts trying to set you up with these women in the area and you go on dates and the dates that you go on with these women are these puzzle games. And so the better you do with the puzzles and and there's some also some real traditional dating uh, game elements like giving gifts and stuff like that and dialogue choices and all that stuff. So you if you make the right dialogue choices, you give the right gifts, you do well with the puzzles, you progress your relationship with the uh, the woman and you can eventually have sex with them. And it's not graphic. It doesn't show the graphic like actual you know, people okay. having sex, but there is nudity. Um, there are things like you collect, like when you, when you have sex with the woman, she gives you her panties. That's like your indicator mm. that you've like had sex with this woman or like, you know, gotten to the end point in that relationship. And 
there's a whole cast of characters. It gets very, very bizarre. So, I mean, you might, you might have gotten that because there's this love fairy, but there's like a cat girl. There's an alien woman. Um, there's like, you know, one of the girls that you can date is a professor at the school, which I don't know. I don't remember if you're a student at that school or not, but, um, Mm -hmm. I think you might be, but there's, you know, there's a lot of the very stereotypical archetypes, nerdy girl, jock, that kind of stuff. Um, the style is very anime, but it's not generic. I actually really liked the, the artwork. Um, and so in terms of it being impactful, I don't, it's not quite as, as a serious game as some of these other ones where I'm like, it emotionally drew me in and provided with provided me with a respite from my emotional turmoil. It wasn't anything like that. It was just surprising. I was surprised by how much I liked it. And I was surprised by how it represented sexuality. It's not a perfect game. I think there's there's definitely I mean the fact that the ultimate resolution of a relationship is sex every time is problematic in and of itself but I think that sexuality in games is something that is very underexplored and has a very bad history video games have often used sex as like a very exploitative thing and I think maybe they do that a little bit here but I want to see more games that have sex in it that's not exploitative um and that treats games like like what as what they are which is adult you know artifacts like i think sex in video games has always been such a sensitive topic because at large our society still sees video games as something for kids so the minute that you bring sex into it it's usually done in a very kind of dumb like hey look at these boobies kind of way and not treated with like what do adults want? Like, what do adults who, who, and, and and not just adults, but people who are very sexual and who like sex and sexuality, what do they want to see in a game that's not kind of trivialized or made comic or, Mm -hmm. or exploitative? Like I said, again, not that this game does that, but I think it was a welcome change of pace from so many games that only kind of hint at sex or, Oh, mm-hmm. look, they showed boobies or something like that. So right. that's interesting. Yeah, I kind of want the sequel was terrible. Don't don't play the sequel. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that first one. Um, I talked about that for longer than I probably should have. So let me shut up and let's move to your next game. All right, Joey. Tab. I have a fun one for us here. Ooh. Phasmophobia. Oh, that's so, maybe the most recent Right? Yes, yes. So let me get through some some textual deets, as sure. I would say to my students. Uh, Phasmophobia was released September 18th of 2020, and it is uh, developed and published by Kinetic Games, which as far as I know is still a one-man team. I think. Um, in, in British-based, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so this game is uh, early access, available on PC. Uh, you can play solo, you can play with up to three uh, uh, friends, and this is a game where you are going into creepy, spooky environments, and you're trying to identify the the ghost, the spirit, uh, using various tools like EMF readers and motion detectors and and stuff like that, putting salt down over doorways and things, or the thresholds, rather. I personally think this game is a gem. 
I was looking at some of the reviews and there, so, so this game, there's over 181,000 reviews on Steam. And with that number of reviews, you might expect like, oh, maybe there'll be like mixed reviews. No, it's overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. This game is only $13.99. It has VR support. Like I said, one dude is making it. Like, I am mad impressed. Now, I know that the game can be janky. (laughs) And we have our fair share of stories of that. And that he's using just assets that are already out there. But this game hit at such a perfect time in 2020. It became incredibly popular very quickly. Um, due to mostly Twitch streams, popular Twitch streamers, and some YouTubers who were broadcasting the game during, like, the Halloween season. Um, I, I I love this game. <laughs> I, we, we can talk about flaws, but I don't think we need to dwell on that. I, in, in looking at reviews um, on the first page of what Steam was, was showing up for, like, the reviews, I, I was paying attention to, like, how many hours people have played. And it ranged everywhere from like 1.3 hours to like 82. And that was the highest that I saw just on the first page. I don't know how many hours you've played, Joey, but I've played for 139.4. Wow. We, we have we have some people beat. <laughs> yeah, I... We're obsessed. I'm, I don't know, I think like 50 levels higher than you maybe. So I think yeah. mine's probably close to 200 hours. 200. <laughs> I... Like you said, I, I there was times where like you or Ron wouldn't be available, mm-hmm. and at first I was too scared to play by myself. I tried. <laughs> it is it is legitimately a scary game, but yes. eventually I I was like I feel like I'm comfortable enough to do it, and I feel like if I die, like I don't feel as much like I'm losing a bunch of stuff. So because mm-hmm. we have so much money in the game now, um, but I I should I do want to clarify. You know, you were saying in the beginning like you're hunting ghosts. It's set up to be like a realistic ghost hunting so it doesn't right. regardless of whether or not you believe in ghosts yeah, 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 you, yeah. you might it's have seen right it's a sim but you might have might see those ghost hunting shows like ghost mm-hmm. hunters that's very much what it's inspired by it's you, you're using yes. that same kind of equipment and go ahead i thought i thought you were gonna say now tab you said that you're hunting ghosts but really the ghosts are hunting that's you true. <laughs> that is true every ghost I, and that is one thing that we've talked about. We do want there to be a little <laughs> bit more variety in terms yes. of because like basically every ghost is different. There's different kinds of ghosts and you're trying to identify the ghost by like their behaviors mm-hmm. and stuff like that and different kind of readings on your instruments. But ultimately, they all kind of have the same general routine. You go in and they're kind of harmless. You make them yep. mad. They try to kill you and then you identify them and leave. So. We and you can hoping... play at different difficulty levels. So there's like amateur, intermediate, and then professional. And yeah. that'll affect like how much time you have before the ghosts get really active and also like how aggressive the ghosts will yeah. be. So you can play around with that. And um, how many locations? There's like a number of – there's a couple roadhouses, a couple of farmhouses. And then you have the asylum, the school, and the prison. That's the newest yeah. map. Yep. Um yeah. And we've talked about maps that we want to see. We want to see like yes. some kind of graveyard, some kind of like academy or something or like big mansion. Yes, like a mansion. Yeah. But I see, <laughs> I think like big stuff. I would love like a master level map where it is like a spooky church or chapel. 
And then adjacent to that is the graveyard. And mm -hmm. maybe there's a couple of like grounds buildings or something like that. I think that would be really spooky, um, especially if he could play around with like the sound effects and the ambient noises a little bit. I think that would be really cool. What would be something we didn't talk about before, but what would be really cool is maps like that that have multiple ghosts. Because at every yes. map, there's only one ghost. But what if there's a map where like you're guaranteed one ghost, right? But right. if you disturb certain places, like if you walk on a grave <laughs> or something like that, yeah, another one might spawn. That would be challenging. Right. And, and we even talked just about like uh, stuff that would be really cool if this was a thing. I'm sure it never will be. But if there were phases, so like mm -hmm. maybe like let's say the the mansion, if, if there was ever a mansion map, if there were at least two days. And so day one, you're limited on the clock with how much you can do. Yeah. And then like shit really gets real uh -huh. <laughs> in the in the following days. Um, I also think it would be cool if there was a little bit more lore, yeah. a little bit more explanation that could kind of be randomized whenever you start up um, an individual match, depending on the map that you're in. Like, because they're always like, we have reports of a sighting, but that's it. Like, if there was a little bit more that maybe. Um, told you like okay did the family that lived here get fucked up did they run away in the night like set a little more of the like spooky vibes or, or tones in in the game because honestly i think one of the biggest flaws of the i mean it's not a flaw it's a limitation but the game is very repetitive as far as the gameplay loop yeah and if there were a couple of different elements that just kind of added some some spice some variety i think that would go a long way yeah, I think uh, we're, another game we're going to talk about is Gone Home. It would be really mm -hmm. interesting to have a combination of those two things, like have a house Ooh. that feels very lived in mm -hmm. and not just like the same exact house you might have done the last level, you know, the right. last match, um, but feels very lived in. And I, I do think that he does a very good job of, of making the house feel lived in the first time you played it. Like there's a, yes. a cell phone here, a toy there, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But it doesn't change up. The next round, that cell phone's yeah. still there. That toy is still there. So Right, right. So, and again, this is one person. Yeah. I think this is his first, like, major project like this. I think so, too. Um, and, you know, it was funny because I was looking at the reviews, and like I said, they were overwhelmingly positive. On that first page, I didn't see a single negative review. And one of the complaints was, like, he should have opened this up to the public so much sooner so that people could, like, mod it and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, but, guys, it's 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 early access. Yeah. Like, maybe that stuff will come and he'll integrate some stuff with, like, the Steam Workshop. But, like, it's early access. Calm down. Like, your right. expectations, I think, can only be so high. If this was a game that had been out there for, like, five years and we were like, come on, dude, like, what are you doing? I feel like that's a different story. But, like... It just came out last September. <laughs> and he said in an interview that he did not expect this success. He expected... Exactly. I don't remember what the number was, but like maybe like 100 or 200 people or something, and then it would drop right. off. Um, and he got tens or hundreds of thousands of people. So, you know, to say that he should have done this or should have done that, maybe he would have if he knew that that many people were going to play the game. But but, but how do you know? Right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the game for me, you sent me a screenshot of, I think, just the, the landing page on Steam, and you were like, do mm -hmm. you have any interest in this? Mm -hmm. And I said, maybe, question mark, but you didn't follow up. I didn't know what the game was, so I kind of just put a, I was like, okay, I'll look into it, you know, but shortly after, like the, the next day or two days later, I was listening to a podcast, 
and oh, yeah. they were talking about it on there and what sold me on it and why I then immediately messaged you and said, so when are we playing that game that you mentioned was <laughs> they were saying that like there's an in-game voice chat, right? And so mm-hmm. you're all on mic together and there's like four of you in this house and maybe you split up and you're in different rooms and so you hear each other talking. Well, the ghost can hear you too. So that's yes. one of the main gimmicks of the game is that you can speak to the ghost and you can anger it, but you can also, there's a, a spirit box that you can use to talk to it and it won't really respond in like sentences, but you might ask it depending on the type of ghost, like how old are you? And it might say something like adult. And so you can right. sort of interact with it. But if someone dies on your team and and they don't know, they get cut off from voice chat immediately. So mm-hmm. unless they very quickly say, I'm dying, you might not know that your friend is dead. Yeah. That's that's what sold me. I was like, oh, that sounds so scary and fun. And one of the things that I was telling, you know, we, you and I have kind of debated on this a little bit, but I think this is scarier than a Resident Evil game because Resident Evil games are very tense. And yes, there's like, you, but you have a gun, you have a way to fight back. You can like prepare yourself in this game. There's no, there's no preparing yourself. If, I mean, you can maybe hide in a closet, which we didn't know at first. Mm-hmm. That's, an, that's another thing. I loved that we learned this game on our own. With Resident yeah. Evil games, there are guides out there. I'm familiar with Resident Evil formula. So it's like, sure, there's like scary, creepy, gory stuff. But this game was like legitimately spooky. Again, even though I don't believe in ghosts, mm-hmm. I was so immersed into the world. And in this world, ghosts are real. I, I was nervous like we would go in and I would start sweating you know if, if we start feeling like we're not getting the ghost uh, yeah we were we were huge chickens it we was were tense. like let's it go back tense. out one of our jokes was doing paperwork so we would we would get to the point where we're kind of nervous and that was our excuse to leave the house we were yeah, like, oh, like, I, I to, gotta go to the truck I have real to go quick, to the uh... truck and do some paperwork I'll be right back <laughs> um so yeah, it's just we've played it so much and there were so many fun little stories that we have. And I think that's one of the ways that you know a game is special is when you have these little stories that you share with people and you can Yeah, and the other thing that's cool and I I think I want to like do something with this at some point as far as like scholarly work, but looking at games and how they're impacted by like Twitch mm-hmm. and and similar spaces, but I'm looking at the the Wikipedia article and the section on popularity. I want to I want to read this to you. So the game became a, a Steam top seller and by the end of October 18th, 2020, was the best-selling game of that week. Now here's what's interesting though. Even beating out Fall Guys and pre-orders for Cyberpunk. Wow, this little Holy indie shit. Game. That is mad impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing about indie games. I think that's so attractive, uh, you know, as a as a developer i can see why it would be so attractive because you have that potential of like i'm gonna make this thing by myself and it could explode you know what i mean there's not like a team and most of them don't of course the odds of that are like incredible yeah and sometimes it's hard to say what will land because like like you said Mm -hmm. this game i can see someone who's used to playing polished third-party console games yeah playing it and being like what the hell is this this is mm-hmm. my hands not even holding the flashlight the flashlight's like hovering <laughs> my above my in hand front of me. yeah <laughs> um i don't move like i'm human am i the ghost like i you know but uh it's just fun it's just such a fun 
game. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that we've kind of fallen off. I understand why we have, but. Yeah. The last time we played it was like mid-February, I think. Yeah. But we, we I know we'll return to it. Yeah. Like, even when we were in the middle of playing it, like, at its peak for us, I would say things like, Joey, we have to return to this, like, next October. Because yeah. I want to see where it's at. What has he added? Um, will he have another, like, Halloween kind of themed event? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this develops over time. For sure, definitely. Um, and that's again another one. We're not. This is this list is not necessarily meant to recommend games to people, but I feel like when we get to the end of them, I'm like, yeah, I would definitely recommend. Yeah. <laughs> if you like horror games or spooky games or right, right, um, co-op games, I definitely would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, the next Absolutely. game that I want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about it for very long because <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, and. This game in particular, more than any other game that I can think of, spoilers are vital to the experience, I would say. So Mm -hmm. it's Doki Doki Literature Club, uh, which was developed by Team Salvato, uh, which was is primarily Dan Salvato, Salvato, I think that's how you say it. Um, And it was released in 2017 for the PC, so Steam. And it's free. It has been free since day one. So if you have not played it, it's a short game that you can probably be in two or three hours. So I would recommend if you have any interest at all, pause the podcast, go check it out um, <laughs> and and play it. Just give it a shot. It's free. I, I, I'm not going to give too many spoilers, but I, I say that pause the podcast and go check it out because I am going to talk a little bit about the general kind of experience with the game and that in and of itself is kind of a spoiler so if you have any interest in it i definitely recommend pausing going and playing it and then maybe coming back so having said that the reason that even talking about the experience with the game is a spoiler is because the game subverts your expectations and that's why the game has to be free when i initially heard that it was free I was like, what? I've heard, I heard I hear people talking about this game and luckily for me I wasn't spoiled at all, but I was like, why like free? Why would you give away free? it's got to it can't be that good, right? Right, right. There's some catch here. Right, but when I played it I understood because the game sells itself as something that you think you know what you're going to expect. It sells the same as the sells itself as this cutesy anime dating game or dating sim mm-hmm. or visual novel. So, it's a visual novel, it's in a Japanese anime style. And you're going to be getting to know these characters and you're probably going to be able to date one of them. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what it sells itself as. That's what the artwork is, the marketing material. Um, And it it is it starts out as that, but it's not that. Again, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I don't even really want to talk about why it's different. Um, But pretty quickly, something happens in the game that you're like, okay, this is not what I expected. It's very different than what I'm expecting. And it only gets more different from there. And so if you charged for that, imagine the headache of having to deal with all of the returns. You know what I mean? Because people are going to be like, I wanted this cutesy anime game where I have a new anime waifu and we get married and blah, blah, blah. Like that's what they went into the game wanting. And that's not what you get. And that's another reason why it's so hard to recommend because I can, I, I don't want to tell people what it's about because I don't want to spoil it. So I'm like, go check it out. Right. And they're going to go look at it and be like, I'm not, I don't want to play a Japanese dating sim. Yeah. And, and you have to be like, just trust me. Right. 
and it's, but then you're setting them up for something right exactly so like i feel very fortunate that i, I it was spoiled for me that there was something but yeah. i when i got to the first the first something i thought that was it and i was like oh yeah this is very interesting but no it just keeps delivering yeah like <laughs> and it's it's it it de- I, i've never played a game like it i like i said i definitely think it it subverts your expectations in such a novel and interesting way um and it's a very limited sh- short kind of story but i like the characters um i do like the story and you know, I'm really curious about what Team Salvato does in the future. Mm-hmm. You played it, right? Yeah, yeah. You would you say you had a similar experience? Would you uh, would you think? You... Yeah, I knew that there was like something, right. but I wasn't sure what it was. Um, but thankfully, it wasn't like outright spoiled for me. But I I do recommend it. But don't look up anything. Yeah, just just go into it. The weird thing, yeah. the last thing I want to mention though, is I was so surprised that my niece. And her friends loved that game. I, again, yeah. I don't want to say why it was surprising, but I was just very surprised. Like we were talking and, and she, I think she's getting ready to start high school. So at the time that I played it, which was was shortly after its release in 2017, you know, she was probably in middle school or no, no, not even oh. middle school. She wasn't even in middle school yet. And so oh, wow. <laughs> we happened to be talking about something and she brought up a character from the game and I was like, oh, that character and she's like yeah from doki doki literature and i was like is it is that the game with the thing and she's like yeah and i'm like what (laughs) how are you and your friends playing this game it's so yeah it was very a very weird connection but um but yeah so that's doki doki literature club i love it a lot and i highly recommend it all right so the next game that i want to talk about and i know you have something to say about this one as well is gone home oh yeah uh i feel like it it's gotten some pretty good coverage i mean it came out 2013 originally released on pc but you can now play it on the switch um i think it's also available on the ps4 and xbox one now too Mm -hmm. is that right yep yeah uh developed by the fulbright company which is a small studio Last I looked, they had around eight people working there, and they're particularly known for Gone Home and also a game called Tacoma, which I don't think either one of us has played at this Mm. point, but I am interested in checking out it at some point. But essentially, Gone Home is a... It's a walking sim. Um, It's a first-person kind of narrative exploration game, and the basic premise is... uh, Again, we don't want to spoil too much i think both of us are concerned with spoilers to a degree and Mm -hmm. i know this game came out in 2013 so it's it's dated at this point but still we'll be mindful of that but essentially you return to your family's home uh in in oregon and you find that it is empty and you don't really have a sense of like where your family has gone um so there's a little bit of mystery and you have to go about exploring various rooms looking for for clues uh you can examine items read journals and there's like audio that you can listen to as well um, that provides you with like information that's kind of filling in the context of like what has happened here. Um, There's a couple of specific things that I want to mention, but I think I'm going to let you uh, say kind of your initial thoughts first. Yeah, like you said, I do want to, I do want to avoid spoilers, but I'm going to 
spoil slightly more than Doki Doki Literature because that one I really just didn't want to say anything. But I do want to say that this game also subverts your expectations a little bit and -hmm. plays with genre. And this is something that I'm guessing this game has been out for a while that maybe if you've heard of it and you haven't checked it out, there might be a reason. Maybe you're just not interested. Um, But similarly to Doki Doki Literature Club, it is pretty short. You could probably beat it in like five or so hours. Yeah, five-ish hours sounds about right. And uh, so I I would recommend checking it out if you don't want anything spoiled. If you don't have a lot of interest, we are going to be spoiling a little bit of like how it subverts your expectations, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so to say that is I didn't know what to expect. And I think that's why we're cautious about spoilers because part of what surprise pleasantly surprised us about these games is that we didn't know a lot about them going into them and i didn't know a lot about this i remember seeing a trailer for it before it came out and thinking "Ooh, that looks like a spooky game and so i went into it and i'm like this is a spooky what happened to this what happened to my family Mm -hmm. and the game knows that and it plays with that oh yeah it's playing into it yes absolutely it's it's dropping all of these horror tropes and spooky little things you'll hear something from another room and you're Mm -hmm. like or or you think you heard something there's times when i'm like yeah i don't know if i heard did i hear something it sounded like a door and so i spent the first stretch of the game feeling kind of spooked you know what i mean i'm like Mm -hmm. what am i gonna find and like i thought i was gonna find a body i think really ultimately (laughs) i was like that's what this game is gonna lead me to and i won't talk about it beyond that to say how it messes with that further um but it does it continues to play with that Mm -hmm. and i i i just thought that was very very unique but really the thing and i think this game like you said has gotten a lot of attention both in the press and um and in academia i think a lot of people have studied it yes for for particular reasons reasons, let's be honest right yeah definitely um but one of the things that i think it should be studied for more is the environmental storytelling Mm -hmm. because as I kind of alluded to when we were talking about Phasmophobia, the Fulbright Company does a really good job of making this house feel like a real lived-in house. Yes, absolutely. Like, of course, it's a big house, but there's environmental clues to fill you in on, like, how the family came about living in the house. and There's, the, like, photos and things like that. Right. Some um, little bit of family history. details. Yeah. It's never too explicit it's it's enough yeah. to where you have to piece some stuff together um, but you get a really good idea of this family's background and some of their history and sometimes it it doesn't necessarily affect the current story that you're going through but sometimes it colors it a little bit mm-hmm. um, and maybe it'll it'll explain a little bit of your dad's history in a in a way that um, informs how you read his role in the current story or something like that. Like that's just an example. But um, this was another game that for me was very nostalgic because it, I don't remember when it takes place actually now that I think about it, but there's cassette tapes in there and there's like fanzines and the idea of like high school garage bands and there's a super Nintendo and they talk Mm -hmm. about playing street fighter. And so, and like with like your neighbor friend and stuff. And so a lot of that stuff was very, uh, very nostalgic for me i also played this game with some students and so i should i should clarify i taught something called the chance program or not the chance program sorry the upward bound program Mm -hmm. here at niu over the summers and my director who hired me uh, said that i can use video games to talk about things like narrative and storytelling and everything and i was very excited so with these high schoolers 
I decided to play Gone Home and on on the Switch because I had brought my Switch in. And mm-hmm. I remember one of my favorite memories was when they found one of the classes found the dad's magazine, the dad's porn magazine. Oh. <laughs> and it's not obviously it's not explicit. There's no nudity, but there's right. like implied I guess you would call it implied nudity. There's mm-hmm. a woman who's who is nude, but she's you know, her hands are covering every kind of like yeah. Um, and when they found that, the way that their heads like whipped around to look at me, like I was going to like, <laughs> what was I going to do? You know what I mean? Like put that down. You know what I mean? It was hilarious. It was so fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, this game has a lot of meaning and significance for me outside of the gameplay. But I do think that the game itself uh, mm-hmm. was just, I've, I think I've probably beat it like three or four times now. And I, it's a, another game that I'll probably go back to because yeah, yeah. I, I, I played it a couple times. I played through it with, with my partner and I let her kind of dictate the direction and where yeah. we were going and what we would pick up and interact with. Um, and the game is just, it's, it is notable for its representation and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, but I think another thing that was interesting is when it came out in 2013, it sort of we don't have a lot of time for this, but what I think is interesting if you do play it is considering how it advances the notion of video games as art, because I definitely think this game is like a contender for that that kind of conversation and that debate. Absolutely. And the walking sim, like the walking sim is a genre that's sometimes yes. derided, but... But you know what? Some of my favorite games. I, I like walking, walking sims. sims. Yeah, I think it can yeah. be done wrong or like there can be things like in... Um, oh God, what's the one that takes place in England, the English countryside? It reminds uh, me of the trouble with Triffids, not the trouble with Triffids. That's a, um, day of the Triffids. I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, it's everyone's gone to the rapture. Yes. Yeah. I know there are issues with that game, but I still like it. I like it too, because of that. Like I love going into environments and kind of finding the story i like finding mm-hmm. the story but my problem with that one was that this the walking speed was incredibly slow <laughs> i felt like i could have my phone in one hand the entire time and be like checking the internet right. because it was it was it was it took me out of it because i felt like i would not be walking this slow if i were really right. in this game let me kind of simulate a realistic walking speed um but so there there are problems with them, but I, I do like the genre a lot. I think, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it can be hard to get right. But when you do, I think it yeah. can be a really powerful way of, of storytelling. So mm-hmm. um, do you have do you have another game? I do. I have one more. Yes. Um, okay. And okay. this one is is I think I, I guess maybe I'm moving away a little bit from like the personally meaningful and and kind of thinking of more of like the important but it was impactful to me because it not only kind of struck me emotionally but i think it's in that genre it's another desktop sim it's called secret little haven mm-hmm. um, by victoria dominowski it was released in 2018 i think it was released independently and then i f- i got it in that itch.io bundle um yes. that we got the games it's for, a great bundle ah, so many games and so it was hard when i was going through to find games that i liked or or that were interesting but this one um up right off the bat it's another desktop sim so you the the interface of the game is the desktop of an old computer from if i remember correctly like the mid 90s maybe like the late 90s i think maybe like the late 90s 
And that is, again, that's how you interact with characters in the world. There is a chat function kind of like AOL Instant Messenger, like Emily is away. That was what part of what was attractive to me. But Mm -hmm. what ended up kind of just really striking a chord with me is the fact that I think this game is an autobiographical game and you don't see that very often. So I should say that the premise of this, the kind of the premise of the story is you play a young trans girl who is not, doesn't identify as a girl yet, um, Mm -hmm. but is a part of this fan community that's based on Sailor Moon. So it's like a fictional Sailor Moon fan community. And they have these friends and they're, they all share this love of this, this Sailor Moon cartoon. And there's this new movie coming out and there's a rumor that one of the characters in the movie gets to choose to be a different gender essentially, because the only way you could be, I don't remember what the fake word for it is, but the only way you could be a sailor scout or like a sailor Mm -hmm. moon, part of the sailor moon team is to be a girl and this character is male. And so there are rumors that you, that this character is able to kind of change their gender to be a part of the team. And so of course to this young trans girl, that's something that not only is exciting that, that they look at and they say, well, like you can do that. That's one of the questions she asks, like you, can you do that? But the other thing is it's a way for her to talk about that particular thing with her friends, because it's something that you just don't talk about in the Mm nineties. You know what I mean? It's, it's still very taboo. And so the way that the story unfolds, it feels very realistic. I can't, I, I haven't been able to verify if it is actually autobiographical or just heavily influenced okay. by the author's life, but it feels very autobiographical and um, it has very, I, I did end up feeling very emotional during a certain scene. There's a lot of stuff with oh. like a parent who's not very understanding, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of one of the primary conflicts is this, this single parent that, doesn't know what to do with this this child um who they have a very specific idea of what they want for their future right um and so there's two things number one it's the autobiographical part of it where regardless of whether or not it truly was autobiographical it felt autobiographical so it felt more meaningful to me and more powerful but the other thing is in in an indirect way it's talking about representation in media right it's talking about how even in something that's not being very explicit about well we're going to create a trans character people who are who have these marginalized identities sometimes find really meaningful characters or or examples of of maybe what they want to see in media Mm -hmm. and it shows like why representation is important even in that example it's not the best representation i doubt that that if there really is a character like that in sailor moon that the people who made sailor moon were thinking let's make a character (laughs) who's representative of trans you know what i mean like there's there's that's probably not the intent but the idea that this person is living a life where they feel like they can't talk to anyone about this thing and they don't see themselves represented in any of the media that they have and then they find this character that they can relate to in this very specific way was incredibly power. I keep using the word powerful, but was striking to me because that's something that I, we, I hear people talk about a lot. And I think mm-hmm. as a gamer, many of us, regardless of our identity can identify with because part of the reason we probably love games is because we like the fantasy of it. We like, Mm -hmm. seeing ourselves in these worlds 
and so I think it's a really useful way into that conversation with people who don't get why representation is important because they're used to yeah, seeing themselves, absolutely. you know. Um, so I'm, I'm going on a little bit long, but I, I thought it was a really uh, fun game. Again, it's pretty short. Um, it is very kind of an indie game. The artwork is 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 not, you know, um, the shiniest, most perfect, but it's very personal and cute and quaint. So I thought this was a really good, really good game. So especially if you have that bundle, I definitely recommend checking mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, very cool. So I have to say in um, chatting about indie games, I know we don't have time for this because we have to wrap up, <laughs> but um, I it's making me think of other indie games that I neglected on my list. So I just want to very briefly mention what those are because I do think that they are notable okay. examples. And um, if anyone is interested, I would definitely recommend Firewatch by Campo Santo. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, This War of Mine by 11-Bit Studios. How did I forget about that? Very touching. I, I don't want to say too much, but check it out if you want to be hit in the feels. And then <laughs> another, I consider it to be an indie gem, um, What Remains of Edith Finch by, I think it's Giant Sparrow is the developer. That game does some interesting things with mechanics and storytelling, and it's definitely... I think I would put it in like my, my top fifteen indie games. How do yeah? How do we forget that one? That's really yeah. That's... <laughs> like Firewatch, I, I can definitely see uh, being on the list. Um, I didn't play enough of this War of Mine because it stressed me the fuck out. And knowing mm. that it's a bleak game that that doesn't yes. really allow for yes. very many happy endings at mm-hmm. the time, I just emotionally wasn't prepared for it. But um, what remains of Edith Finch, like you said, is phenomenal. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a little absolutely. ashamed that we we missed out on that one. Um, I think that about Next. does it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just looking to our, our list for next week, yeah. which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah. Um, so next week we're going to be doing like an extended kind of segment like today and we're i think we're casually calling it behind the waterfall. Mm-hmm. So video game disappointments and hype. Yeah, and just to to the 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 story behind that name is that we, we often see people talk about if you have a waterfall in your game, you have to have something behind it. Like there yes. has to be like a cave a requirement. right, or a treasure <laughs> or something. And so when you see a waterfall in a game and you're like, oh, and you go and you climb down the cliff yeah. and you fall in the water and all this stuff. And then you get there and there's nothing. It's like Such it's a little bit dis- <laughs> disappointing. Yeah. So we're definitely going to be talking about games that uh, in some way disappointed us. Maybe they weren't the biggest piece of crap in the world, but. Right, or or that in general gamers, quote-unquote, were disappointed in because of outlandish hype. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this conversation. Me too. So thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. We will see you. This wrapping up is the hardest thing about this. You know, hopefully people do stop listening before the end so they don't have to hear. Well, you know, you know. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Uh, We're having a great time. We hope to see you or hear you or hear us. Wait, what am I talking about? We'll see you you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.